things that we do as a church, whether, you know, it's a good thing, you know, is this the right thing? Is this the best way to do this? Um, you know, is this something that we need to go to prayer? I just, I feel like at times, like in church, you know, that it's like my mess, I don't want my messages to go from my notes to your notes and then into a pile somewhere. Um, you know, I want, I really believe these are things that are life transforming. They've changed my life. I know that. And uh, I want to see you be the absolute most incredible supernatural person that you can be. Amen. And uh, so that's how I'm working. That's how I'm preaching. And uh, hopefully you won't make me work too, too hard tonight. All right. I'm in John chapter one, John chapter one, John chapter one and verse one and a passage that you're familiar with. And we're just going to continue on in our, our thoughts about the tree of life and uh, self-image and how all that applies. Remember, you cannot outperform. You will never outperform the inner image you have in your life. And uh, you can't. You just will. You might for a while, but you always pull back to what you believe about you. And your opinion of you will always either move you forward or it will tear you down and keep you bound up. And uh, so... Um, sometimes I know in our minds we think, well, when this changes, I'll be better. That's not true. It, you will not be better. If you can't get better with what's going on now, you won't be better when it gets better. I, it just it, something else will come along always to take you down. So you got to work on you, whether it's good or bad going on around you. And, uh, you know, I shared with you guys the other day uh, in the beginning of this message that, look, we, it's easy for us to blame the devil for our problems, but what if we're the problem? I mean, what if it's us? I mean, that's a lot harder to deal with than the devil. Jesus gave us authority over the devil, but it's a lot tougher for us to get ourselves under control, get our mouth under control, get our heart and our thoughts under control. And a lot of your New Testament doesn't really spend a lot of time talking about beating on the devil or taking over the devil. A lot of it does talk about you getting your mind straightened out and renewing your mind and getting transformed and save your soul. Can I get a good amen? So I want to talk tonight a little bit about this idea about light and life, light and life. And uh, in verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Okay. The same was in the beginning with God. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All right? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, that's a real easy verse to remember. In him, in Christ, in him who is the creator, in him who was in the beginning, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, the word life here is that same word we've talked about in the scriptures, the zoe, Z-O-E, zoe life, that was also referenced back in the Old Testament under Hebrew for the word H-A-Y, hey, which talks about the tree of life. So Jesus Christ is the source of life. Man, even though he was physically in form, was not alive until God breathed Zoe into man or the God kind of life into man, as the Hebrew says, the hay, if until God breathed that into him, there was no life in the man. So man, even though he had the form of life, was not alive until 
God put life in him. This is telling us here that in him was life and the life was the light of men. And this is really important for us because maybe some things that we have never thought about before with this. Notice verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. Now, I want you just, if you would, maybe put a piece of paper or something in that John chapter 1. And I want you to go back into the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. Okay? When you got it, say amen. Amen. Genesis 1, verse 1. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. Okay? So I want you to get this now. The, word, the words uh, without form and void actually mean it was just in total chaos. All right? Everything was chaotic, was out of order, everything that was going on. Now, there's theory, and that's all it is is theory, because you don't really have any way to, you know, Dake's Bible and a few other Bibles have tried to explain what they think happened after they, that basically were a second creation and that's where dinosaurs, those are all theories, okay? And they're great. And you can believe what you want to believe about those things. Obviously, they were here. Obviously, something happened, but we weren't there. God doesn't talk a lot about it. And if I, and my feeling is it's great to believe, you know, the theories and ideas and maybe that's what happened. But I think the reason that God doesn't tell us fully about it is because it isn't going to make a hill of beans difference in your life. Right? I mean, what does it matter that we're the second? I mean, I don't think it's going to change any dynamics of your life. I think if, if we get caught up in all of that, we miss out on the real importance of what God is trying to say. And so it says that there was, there was void it was form, there was no form, there was darkness on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. So the Holy Spirit is here already. But God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, remember, it said that in John, that he is, that he is life, and his, that, and his life is the light of men, Right? He is life, and his life is the light of men, and how that it changes man because of that light that comes from that very life. It's interesting if you do a little bit of scientific study with this. Why did, why did God say, let there be light? Why was that the important thing for him to say? Why didn't he say, let there be life? Why didn't, why didn't he say that? I mean, you know, obviously within him saying, let there be life, would be in that all the connotations of what he saw happening. But instead, he said, let there be light. Well, the reason is, is because the earth was empty and it was without form and it was void. It was in a void, an emptiness, a a void, a vacuum type environment. It's interesting if you know, do a little bit of study into some scientific issues with this. Light can travel through a vacuum. But sound cannot travel through a vacuum. If something is in, I'm not talking about a vacuum cleaner, I'm talking about a void, okay? Sound needs a, uh, a vehicle to travel through. 
Okay, it needs air. It uses air to be able to do that. If you took, and you can go on YouTube and see videos of this, they'll, play, they'll have a bell going off inside of a jar. They'll suck all the air out. You'll hear the bell. They'll suck all the air out, put it into a vacuum. You can't hear the bell. The bell is still ringing, but you cannot hear it because there is a void now that exists that that sound cannot travel to your ears. Are you with me right now? So God, God said, let there be light because light can move through the void and can dispel the darkness, can drive out the darkness. Light, light can go, and it's still going, obviously. It's still spreading. I mean, science has already proven that, that the universe continues to expand because God didn't say light stop. Until he does, it will just continue to perpetuate itself. But I find it interesting as you, as you study on this that, that when God spoke this out, he obviously spoke something into a void. Something that was empty and without life. But his very, what he spoke, even though in the void they may not have been able to hear, nothing could hear what was there, the light that came from what he spoke began to move across the universes and began to change things. Light began to get rid of darkness. Now tie that in with what Jesus, what it says, that his life was the light of men. What happens is, and what I believe that God does, is is that he is spreading in our lives through speaking, through his speaking to us, through his word. Because how is God speaking to you and I today? Well, he speaks by the Holy Spirit, obviously, but he speaks to us through his word as well. Isaiah 55 and verses 9, 10, and 11, it says to us that, look, as high as the heavens are from the earth, he says, so are my thoughts from your thoughts, my words from your words. But he says, as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven returns not thither, waters the earth, makes it bring forth and bud, gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. He says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return empty. Why? Because my word carries within it what I said is going to happen. Okay? Now, the, 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 it shall not return to me empty. And then he goes on and he says, it shall accomplish what I desire because my desire is in my word. What I have said, my intent is there. Desire and intention are the same thing. My desire is there. It will accomplish what I desire and it will prosper it will have all of the energy, the power that it needs to produce exactly what I said. Okay? So what happens is, is that God has spoken to us and he has released his word to you and I. Peter talked about this in First Peter. We looked at it last Wednesday night where we talked about where Peter says has been given to us unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that we could be partakers of his divine nature. And it says that, you know, the life that has been given to us through his word that he has given to us. So the word of God has been given to us so that you and I can be partakers of God's divine nature. Transformation does not happen through will. Transformation happens through the word of God, not through your word, not through ideas and things you're thinking, through his ideas and his thinking. 
That's how transformation, that's why he said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to work in our lives is, is that he wants us to take his word that he has already spoken for you and I that pertains to us, that is spoken for us, and he wants us to take that word and to make application of it into our lives. By doing so, we are releasing, we are releasing not only his divine intention and plan for our lives, but we are releasing the very power that is hidden, that is, that is in, um, that is inside or is, is contained within that word. The potentiality is in the word. I thought you'd be a lot more excited about that. See, what happens, though, is I think that uh, we don't recognize the power of this. And so what we do is we think, well, we read it, and then we have accomplished it. Okay? We, just by reading something doesn't mean that it has had application to our life. Just because we even mentioned it one time doesn't mean it had application. I want you to think about something with me. When you and I speak what God says, okay, we have the vehicle of the air that is taking the vibration of our voice, correct, and is traveling to those who are around us. But I want you to think about something else that is happening. When we speak the word in our lives, not only are we speaking to the vib- with vibration out here, but we are also speaking backwards to ourselves in those same vibrations, Your soul is conditioned by the vibrations that you speak. Your soul is conditioned by it. And so when you and I, when we begin to speak, that when we begin to speak what God says, we are pushing back, not just speaking out, but we are pushing back. Now watch this. Into the void, into the darkness, into the vacuum in our life. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But who's doing the speaking and who's doing the hearing? Well, God has already spoken. So if anybody is saying anything, it's got to be you. Because the number one voice you're familiar with is your voice. And even when you're not talking and you're just thinking, you're still hearing that same voice. It's speaking in you. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What you and I are doing is we are speaking into our lives the vacuums and voids of our own life. And that it is God's word that actually the light is bringing. Watch now. See how it moves? It goes from the light is the life that when that light shines in our heart, it moves through those vacuums and voids and creates life. And creates life. We all have vacuums and voids. We do. It's just, the, it's just who we are, okay? I mean, it's, I think it's silly. Look, if you didn't have vacuums and voids, you wouldn't have the problems you have. I just have problems because of the devil. It, right, I agree with that. You do have problems because of the devil. But that's pro- you have authority over the devil. So don't tell me it's the devil. 
We have these vacuums and voids, and what ends up happening is we don't want to let the light shine in that so we don't speak what God says over that. And we will never change until we begin to speak what God says over those vacuums and voids of our life. We use a lot of things to try to defend vacuums and voids in our life. Our parents. Where we've been in life. Where we've been cheated. I talked to you about There's this thing that psychologists talk about. It's called the halo effect. That you will feel towards someone you don't even know. But you just met the same feelings that you felt towards somebody who hurt you because they remind you of that person. And it will hijack relationships that you have in your life. Am I going too deep tonight? You know, look, I, I, I want you to experience everything that God has for your life. I think it's foolish for us to say, we, well, I don't have any vacuums or void. Jesus has set me free. Okay, let's, take a, let's, let's, do, a, let's do a checkup on that. Right? Now, I agree with you in principle that you are completely and absolutely, you're not under the curse of the law at all. You don't have to experience. You're, you're supposed, you and I are to be living in the blessings of Abraham, physically and spiritually. Abraham was not a sick man, was not. Abraham was a prosperous man. Abraham was a blessed man. And Abraham had favor even among his enemies wherever he went. But Abraham didn't start out that way. Abraham struggled with what God was trying to do in his life. Those vacuums and voids started showing up in Abraham's life, even though God was saying, you're blessed. You want to talk about the, the, the vacuums and voids that Abraham had in his life? Well, one, he didn't believe God. I mean, he heard what God said, but he didn't believe him. He laughed one time. Do you remember that? He laughed, and then he did what his wife said to do and went and ran off with his maid, her maid, because he thought, well, I'll just decide how this is all going to play out. Maybe God isn't going to do it the way that I, he told me he was going to do it. Plan B. So see, what happens is, is, is in those vacuum and voids, that's where we come up with plan B. And the vacuums and voids, that's where dis- unbelief hits our lives. We get fearful, all those things. And look, you came into the kingdom with those vacuums and voids. You weren't created with them. They are accumulated through life, through disappointment, through pain, through uh, circumstances. Those are things that become a part of us. And there's darkness there. We know there's darkness there. We get nervous if people get too close to that darkness there. And what God is saying is, look, I can change that darkness. I'll blow my light right through that. We'll get it out in the open. And I will absolutely fill that void and emptiness that's there with my life. But you got to let the light shine. you got to let the light shine. And it's hard sometimes to let the light shine. But in the midst of that, there's shame. I, I realize all the things emotionally. Remember, emotions are so hard to change, but they can change. You know, God, God not only, this is really powerful to me, God not only will deal with in your life the darkness of what happened, but he will deal with the emotional pain that you have from what happened. I hurt someone. I regret in my life, and, and there are people still limping along with, I hurt. the. Look, God 
can remove that emotional pain out of our lives to where it's no longer has. If he can take the sting of death, he can take the emotional pain. He can get rid of it. But I was so hurt. Yeah, I know, man. It's real. It really, things do hurt. Things, you know, all of us here got stories of pain and suffering and hurt that have happened in our lives. But we can't use that as an excuse in our lives to not let God shine in our lives and to spread the light in our lives through the power of his word so that you and I will be transformed. And I think the greatest thing that, and the, that, that, that we have to look at is, is that we cannot allow 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, yesterday, screw everything up that we've got coming in the future. Why should something jump a timeline that is dead and in your past? But look, does it? Sure it does. Sure it does. So what I, what I, what I really felt tonight was is that as I was prepping for this message is, is that God wants us to understand that we have to hear ourselves say what he says. I'm not talking about you know, positive affirmation or, you know, I, I'm not talking about you and I um, making statements of, you know, just making declarations over ourselves. I'm talking about us speaking the word. I'm talking about that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so to have transformation happen, we have to say what the word of God has to say over that. Okay. Now we know that, and we should all uh, respect this, that the voice that that our speaking, the greatest influence this voice has is on me. It may have some influence on my wife, but not unless she is hearing what I'm saying and she begins to speak the same thing. It may influence my children. I pray that it does. But I cannot make anyone do anything unless I'm going to go to extreme force. Right? I can't make them. I can't make my kids serve God. I can't do it. I mean, I want to. Right? right? I want to hit them in the head and say, you do what I said to do. Get in church. Give your tithe. Love God with all your heart. Right? Like they have. But see how that just slaps in the face of God because that isn't free will at all. They're just doing it because you're making them do it. Sometimes I think God has to bring us to a place in our lives that we're asking him to do something that he won't even let us do. He isn't going to come in and make anybody do anything they don't want to do. So if we come in, we're like, well, you straighten my, God, you need to straighten my husband. See, God's saying, look, you just straighten you out and stop worrying about your husband. And if you'll straighten you out, I, I, look, I'm working let me do my thing with him, just like I did with you. Have a little faith and trust in me. Of course, you know, the bad part about that is, is that the minute that you say, okay, God, I'll trust you, your husband is going to go totally bonkers, and you're going to be like, it's getting worse, God, right? Or your kids or whatever, and you're like, man, this is turning out worse than I thought it would. But look, that don't for a second think that God's not working because he's working. He's working, working, working. He wants us to deal with us. But you can see how then in our lives we can say, well, you know, when this happens, then I'll be better. When this changes, I'll be able to do all the things I wanted to do for God. When this happens, 
my spiritual, I'll start praying more and I'll start reading my Bible more, you know, serving more and I'll start doing, and, and God's saying, look, you can't look at life that way. You have to do, you have to do you, deal with you and begin to speak over your life that you're going to be everything I want you to be. All that will take care of itself. You put, put your faith in me. Let me do what I need to do and you stay out of the way. Pray, obviously, you know, God, I'm praying for them, but pray according to the word. Amen. Not Lord, show him how much he hurt my feelings. Because I'm going to tell you, that's not according to the word. You say, well, how do, how do I pray if he hurt my feelings? Lord, show me ways to love him. So that I can heap coals of fire upon his head. <laughs> Well, that's what he, Jesus said that, right? I mean, you talk about you want to get vengeance, right? That's how you do it. Love them. Do good for them. You know, Wigglesworth, he was a tyrant before he actually got, got born again. And he was a plumber. And he was just a mean guy and loud. And he, uh, his, his wife was going to church meetings. And he said, if you, go to me, if you go to church tonight, when you come home, the door will be locked. And you're not getting in. You can sleep on the back porch. And she didn't come home when he thought she after dark. And so he, he locked the back door. And uh, so he got up in the morning to go out and get the milk, you know, because how the delivery stuff used to work, opened the door and she fell through. She was leaning against the door, asleep on the porch. And she jumped up and, and look, it, I'm sure this is beyond almost all of us here. She jumped up and said, I'll get your breakfast, Smith. It'll be right up. I'm, I'm afraid if that was Sharon, she would jump up and say, I've got a baseball bat, you're a dead man. <laughs> but she jumped up, and you know what? The very love that he, she continued to show him, even though he resisted what God was doing in her life, she continued to love him, and he actually got, had a, a severe situation happen in his life of confrontation from the Holy Spirit and received Jesus Christ into his life. And became a great man of God. I mean, a tremendous man of God. Without any push or prodding from her, it just happened. Now, we, we, our response is to, to love and to, to bring that kind of love. And so, you know, when people do us wrong, we're supposed to love them back. Jesus wants to shine that light in our heart. But it, that light shines in our heart through, the spo- through his word that is spoken to us. Just as it shined in the beginning whenever God spoke and light began to move across vacuum and void, the very words that God speaks in his word to you and I move across the vacuum and voids of our life if we will allow it to. So I just want to throw out a couple of ideas to you about some things that you and I can do that we can begin to speak. And these are not real in about the confessions, that uh, the things that I confess over myself, that I believe these are five things that I just have said since back in 1981 when Sharon and I, I learned these from Brother Copeland. They changed my life. I mean, they absolutely changed my life. And I'll go through them real quick with you. You've heard them before, but uh, there are five things that if you just will apply this to your life, it, it, it can make such a profound difference in your life. Uh, tonight, starting tonight, number one, that I make a declaration, number one, Jesus is Lord. Philippians chapter 
uh, 2, 9, 10, and 11 says, God highly exalted Jesus, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why should I confess that Jesus is Lord? One is you need to remind yourself that Jesus is Lord of your life. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, amen, and that you belong to him. Number two, if Jesus is Lord, the devil can't be Lord. Your authority rests in the lordship of Jesus Christ. You have his name to speak over your life and over demonic circumstances that try to come against your life through the power of that name. You have his name to speak into the heavens in prayer to the Father because he gave you authority and he said, I love the way he said it. Jesus said, look, in that day you will ask the Father in my name. I don't say you will ask me. You will ask the Father in my name and he will do it. Then he goes on and he says in John that he says, and whatever you ask in my name, he will do it. If you look at the actual Greek language there, what it says is whatever you ask in my name, if it doesn't exist, he'll create it for you. Let's let that set in. So is Jesus Lord of uh, an important part? (laughs) Absolutely it is. Two, cast the whole of my cares upon the Lord. First Peter five. Four, I believe it is. It says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties. It's either five, four or six. It's a four. Cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties. This is how they amplified Bible. All your anxieties, all your concerns, all your worries, once and for all upon him, for he cares for you uh, affectionately, and he's watching over you. God's watching over you, okay? You're not made to worry. You're not made to worry. And worry will kill you. I mean, we can bring people up from the medical profession and they'll tell us worry will kill you. It, 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 it creates, I, mean, I don't know how much you guys know about all of this, but worry if we have anxiety, especially at night when we need to be sleeping. And that seems to be when, you know, you can keep busy during the day, <laughs> but at night when you start shutting down, if you lay in bed and you start worrying about stuff, you start releasing stuff into your system that should not be there. You should be pushing, your body should be producing melatonin while you sleep, which is, it's cortisol exactly. And so that cortisol starts doing weird stuff to your system. Now, cortisol is not a bad thing. You hear about it in the media all the time. People talk about, well, cortisol, you know, take these pills, it'll get rid of cortisol because you got a belly fat because you got cortisol and If you're at night and you're eating late and you're laying in bed worrying about stuff and not sleeping at night, man, you absolutely are throwing cortisol, which is throwing your blood pressure out of control. And it's throwing your, so all this stuff that's going on when you should be totally relaxed and able to go to sleep and let your body rebuild and your mind repair. You're thinking all these thoughts and running all this stuff. The cortisol is dumping into your system. That's why we cast all our care and our anxiety because it's God's divine creation. And when something functions contrary to God's creation, it is dysfunctional. And if we're not careful, we begin to abuse it. And so we have to learn to bring the, and I'm going to tell you a little trick about how to deal with this and how, how, how really simple it is, but we have to cast that care on the Lord. All right, now, and that's why Philippians chapter 4 tells us, you know, don't be anxious for anything in all things with prayer and supplication. Make your requests made known unto God. The God of all peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. All right, number 
three. Jesus is my healer. He's my healer. One, Jesus is Lord. Two, I cast my care. Number two, number three is he is my healer. Matthew eight seventeen, that uh, he himself bore my sicknesses and carried away my diseases. All right. He himself bore my sicknesses and carried away my diseases. So this is something that has to become a part of your life. And I'll explain why here in just a few moments. But we have to learn to say to our when, like, for example, when you're talking with people and they say, uh, did you hear the swine flus going around? He himself bore my sicknesses and carried away my diseases. It's almost like it's it's like um, it's like the shield of faith. It quenches that bang. Stop right there. And I'll explain why that is. But Isaiah 53, of course, would tie right in with that. And where it says that he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, chastisement, and I had peace on him, and by his stripes I am healed. First Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. So there's an application of this to our lives, the healing. He said, well, pastor, I'm sick or I'm dealing with sickness. And so how do I declare healing over myself? Remember, you're already vibrating stuff in you that you're saying to yourself that has nothing to do with healing and has stuff to do with sickness. Okay. So what you've got to do is you've got to turn what you're saying. You got to start turning that. You say, well, that that doesn't that just sounds weird that if I well, look, you confess stuff into your life before it happens all the time. Right? I just know when this happens, I'm going to do this. I just know that I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this. I just know if I, you know, if I step out, I just know if I invest, it's going to all, it, we, we, we can set ourselves up for failure. We can set ourselves up for success. According to God's word, not our own. I'm not talking about like personal, you know, success. I'm talking about our spiritual success. So healing is a big thing to me. I think, it, I think it affects every aspect of our life because, you know what? You can be wealthy, and if you're sick, you're miserable. That's right. Amen. Okay? So I, I put healing up in the top three things that I declare over my life. Four, God meets all my need. I mean, he's just the provider. And he doesn't always do it when I expect him to do it. it sometimes it gets tough. But I know this, he's going to meet the need because he said he would meet all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if that means, you know, word need there means employment, it means divine supply, it means all those things, God will meet that in your life. Last thing, 1 Corinthians one thirty, and uh, to me this is a powerful one. If anyone lacks, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians one thirty, Jesus Christ has become to me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Jesus is my wisdom. Lord, I turn to you, look for, because I'm back to Jesus as Lord, you are my wisdom. Amen? You are my wisdom. Lord, you are my righteousness. I'm righteous because of you. I recognize. I, you know, not, not a day. I'm not righteous by my own works at all. Even on my best day, I'm still not righteous because of anything that I am. I am because you are. Amen. You're my redemption. I'm redeemed. I mean, you go through, I don't have time to do this tonight, but you go through the book of Deuteronomy 28. Look at all the curses that are there. You're redeemed from every one of those. And that includes skin problems. You're dealing with skin issues right now. I'm telling you, Christ redeemed you from that. Blotch is under the curse. 
It is, it is. It's just under the curse. So you can declare over yourself. One of the things I do is when I'm going through these is I'll say, I'm healed internally and externally. I am redeemed completely. Every organ, I go through every system in my body, my neurological system, my respiratory system, my endocrine system, my digestive system. Is anybody here... is anybody struggling in their digestive system? I mean, you've like got acid reflux or is anybody that's have Stand up if you do. You're dealing with ulcers or you're having any kind of issues with, um, you know, uh, upset stomach or just a... Uh, but, but I'm not just talking about just a little. I'm talking about like it's a big... It's an issue. It's a reoccurring issue. Is anybody else? Gerald? Something in... All right. Now, in your nervous system, anybody dealing with anything in their nervous system? You're having problems. Um, you're starting to get uh, neuropathy, you know, your nervous system. You can't get feeling in your, isn't that neuropathy? You can't feel your extremities. You struggle with that. Um, yeah, you'll help me out, right, Tina? You're the expert. Amen. Nervous. How about respiratory? Anybody struggling in their lungs with their lungs? And don't think of it because of there's drywall dust in the air here. So <laughs> if you're coughing tonight, that's the, that's the reason. But something in your lungs, your respiratory, heart, something in your heart. Stand up. Amen. Come on. Let's not put it off too long here. All right, give me another system here. Circulatory, right? Isn't it circulation? Is that neuropathy? That's another neuropathy thing. Good. Any endocrine. Yep. Hormonal issues. Sharon, stand up. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm feeling very brave tonight. Yeah. Any hormone issues you're going, and pregnant women don't need to stand up for that one. Yes, okay. <laughs> but uh, anything with the endocrine system? Thank you. Amen. What have I left out? There's others. I've, I always do all these, and I forget. Yeah, yeah. How about bones? Skeletal. I know you're dealing with your knee issue with cartilage, but I mean, and, you know, thank you. And maybe you're dealing, maybe it's, um, you're dealing with, um, you know, sometimes this can be a hereditary thing, but you're dealing with um, bones that are fragile, you know, that are, yeah, it's in arthritic stuff. Thank you, Father. Amen. We definitely want to pray tonight. All right, I'm just going to ask all of you guys to come on up here, okay? And you say, well, I'm up here for three or four things. So, (laughs) well, good for you. That's great. Hey, look, you're here, right? Okay? Amen. Did I forget any other systems, Tina? Yeah, skin. Did anybody with skin? Yeah, if you got skin stuff, come on. Are you up here for the skin stuff? Okay, thanks. Good. Excellent. Hey, we're the body of Christ, man. We're here for each other, right? Amen. Reproduction. Yeah, well. Are you having reproduction issues, Mike? You're coming up for prayer? Huh? You got two kids, for crying out loud. Of course, you know, we always talk about that and we tell people, we know Sharon and I, we can pray for you. And like, 
The women are like, don't touch me. (laughs) Don't pray for me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, um, what you have to do right now is you have to set yourself in agreement with what the Word says. And I know you're up here, and I, you say, well, I already am in agreement, okay? But I want you internally right now, in that internal mechanism in your thinking right now, I want you to be thinking about that area of your body, and then I want you to put right with that, he himself bore my sickness and carried away my disease. Now, the, the, the issue is real, but he himself, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. This skin, this nerve, this heart, this bone, this ligament. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law when he became the curse for me. Now, when you can focus yourself into that, I want you to just start lifting your hands up, okay? This isn't mind control or hypnotism, so don't, I know it could sound like, but it's not. This is the Holy Spirit doing this right now. See, I, I can lay hands on you, and I know probably all of you have been up here for hands laid on you before, and that, and that is important. But right now, what I want you to set, I want you to, that vibration of the Word of God inside of you, hearing yourself saying over that particular ailment that you're up here for, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. I, I am healed. Now, there's anointing all, all over this altar right now. I feel it. I can sense it. Just this, this reaching in. See, because the light, the, the light carries the life. The light carries the life. So that life right now is because of the light of the word that's spreading. God said. God said. 